Hey, what's going on, Warrior? It is Jeff here from WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. Welcome to podcast episode number 451. So we all know that shooting in a traditional gun range and engaging in a real gunfight are two very different scenarios that require distinct skills, strategies, and mindsets. Now, a traditional gun range is a controlled environment where the shooter has a clear line of sight to a stationary target with no obstacles, distractions, or surprises, and you're typically standing in one spot with a stable stance. Now, in a real gunfight, the environment can be chaotic, unpredictable, it's constantly changing with multiple threats, moving targets, obstacles that you have to navigate, and you may need to move, take cover, and shoot from various positions, angles, and distances. Now, in this week's show, I talk with Adam Winch of Defenders USA to explore different shooting scenarios where you may have to fire from a less than ideal position and how to effectively defend yourself in each one of them. And hey, don't forget to grab your one-page cheat sheet for this week's show. You're going to find it with our other handy note pages in the Loot Locker section of our website, as well as a bunch of other training resources in there for you. And you can download them all absolutely free just by going to warriorlife.com slash loot. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, we all know that a trip to the gun range can be a fun, exhilarating, excellent opportunity to practice your shooting skills. But let's be real. Shooting at a range is nothing like being in a real-life gunfight where those stakes are going to be much higher for you and the conditions are going to be unpredictable. Most likely the attack's going to happen in low light environments and forcing you to shoot from something that looks a lot different than that stable stance that you're used to practicing with down at the local range. So that's why it's absolutely critical to train for these scenarios and to be able to shoot from less than desirable stances and alternative positions. So whether you are local law enforcement officer or you are a civilian gun owner, your ability to quickly and accurately shoot from these positions could mean the difference between life or death in a real gunfight. You already know that. So in this week's show, we are going to explore why it's essential to train to shoot from less than desirable stances, as well as the best tactics to use that are going to help you engage your attacker accurately from any position. So it doesn't matter if you are a seasoned gun owner or you are just starting to explore the world of defense firearms, this episode is going to be a must-listen. Hey there, Warriors. Jeff Anderson here from Warrior Life, and with me today to share his expertise in how to take your defensive firearm skills to that level beyond the static gun range and into the real world is a new guest on our show, Adam Winch. Adam, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me here. Glad to be able to to talk about this because I think it's important. Yeah, and it's right up your alley, too. I've been checking out more of your website and the different training that you have uh, available, actually, all around the country. We'll talk a little bit more about that training here in a little bit, but... um, but yeah, this is, in fact, I, I had seen some recent stuff from you on this topic, which made me really think that this is ideal, not only just with your expertise, but it's something that we don't really talk about a lot. We haven't really, I think we've only done it one other time on our show. So I think people are going to get a lot out of this one. Um, listen, everybody, this is Adam's first time on the show, and he is the owner and creator of Defenders USA and a former military police officer of about eight years and also a civilian officer for over 10 years with the Grand Junction Police Department in Colorado. Now, there's if you go to if you go to um, if you go to Adam's bio page on his website, like you're just going to keep scrolling down because there's like certification after certification after like it's just and what I really like about it is that 
he has this real, like, practical, real-world gunfighting uh, background with his training and what he sought out as well as what he, he trains other people in. But he really puts it into use, which I think a lot of people, even instructors these days, I think a lot of them get the certifications and then that's it. But you can really see that. Uh, I don't even know where you find your free time, Adam. But uh, <laughs> but his bio, really, it's, it's a long list of stuff here. But he's rated as an A-class shooter in both U.S. PSA and IDPA competitions and has also been certified in several areas as a fitness instructor with CrossFit as well. Now, he's taught over 20,000 civilians, military, and law enforcement personnel over the course of his careers. And go check out his website. There's some great training opportunity there as well as uh, you can see some of the past training he's done. They've got a multimedia or, yeah, kind of like a social media channels and everything that they're showing a lot more of these things. But you can go over to defenders-usa.com and check out more of his stuff. So, Adam, like I said, you're, you're uh, I, I really, I love it that your training and your certifications, like it's obvious that it's been reality focused. And I don't know if that was really for, more from the standpoint of like in military police, it's, it's a law enforcement job. I don't think a lot of even law enforcement really understand what the, the role is of military police, but um, that's kind of like your job specialty in the army, just like I had a job specialty. But you've also been a street police officer as well and had tons of training there also. But I, I like that everything that you've done has been reality focused, but you also apply it in, in competition shooting as well. Um, I think that what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like to really give a perspective of all of your different insights that you've had because, you, because you've really come at this from a lot of different from a lot of different angles. So for those who are just doing basic handgun training at their local gun range, what insights can you share from your training and from your experience as a soldier and as a police officer about why learning how to shoot from alternative positions is something that they should consider? So I think it's a really good question. Um, for me, it really, the biggest insight for me came down to personal use. I had to do this, right? I had to actually use a gun defensively to save life here on the streets of, of Colorado, or in the, in Colorado. And and I found that when I had to use that gun, it did not match the training I had, both in the military world and in the police world, right? And I, I was a SWAT cop, you know, street cop, been through a lot of training, but it didn't fit. So for me, right, usually the training was always stable on a static range, or there was some movement involved. And and yet when it came my time to pull the trigger in defense of life, here I am on the ground, rolling around, having to get up to kneeling, to standing, to moving. And that was not something I had trained, though I'd been to all this training for a decade plus at the time. And so from that point forward, I decided, okay, next time this ever happens, I want to make sure that I even do better in this, or I save life more efficiently, or you know what, I don't just get lucky, or whatever it may be. So I started seeking out training on my own, out of my own pocket, which if you know cops, we don't do that, right? So, so therefore, I started doing that because I went, my training didn't match what happened to me. So therefore, let's find what really happens in gunfights and let's train for that. So that was kind of the insight. That's where it all began for me to where I started doing different things than static range play, basically. Yeah, it's interesting, the evolution of these things. You would think it would be a lot shorter runway to get to where 
we have today. And I, th- I still think there's a long ways for us to go when it comes to training for reality. But this is a common theme that we find even with the, our instructors that we bring in. And my own experience also being like a lifelong martial artist is that we train in martial arts. And, we, and most of us train for at least some level of competency when it comes to defending ourselves, like self-defense. And then if you actually get in a fight, what you oftentimes find is that it, it didn't look anything like the relaxed atmosphere no. down at the dojo. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So right. so I, I took it from that perspective, right? But here's the understanding. You've got to get good at the standard range stuff, right? If you're if you're shooting guns, I think you have a, a moral, ethical, and even a legal responsibility to to take the time to become highly proficient in the mechanical skills of using a gun, right? Getting a draw stroke down that's efficient, being able to manage recoil, being able to use the gun in a safe manner, but also that's dynamic because when it comes time, it's probably going to be a bit fast or quick or could we say dynamic. So that's an important skill. All the fundamentals, being good at that is good, is a good thing. Yet once you've gotten that portion down, now it's time to introduce what I would call unconventional positions or really just what fighting happens. Because oftentimes, if you look at gunfights that have been recorded on, say, security cameras, dash cams, badge footage, uh, badge cam footage, or just wherever they, ha- they, they happen that we can see the recorded effects of a gunfight, you're finding people are moving forward. They're retreating. They're going laterally offline. They're ducking behind cover. They've fallen down. They're literally laying on the ground, kneeling on the ground, dropping behind cover, and they're fighting in all these different positions. It's not terribly common. I would say, okay, let's say at least half the time, you're probably in a compromised position, maybe in a position you've never shot from. And and, and therefore, once you get good at all the other stuff, which you need to good do, you need to get good at all the other stuff, become good at it, refine that, hone that on a continual basis. But now begin introducing into your training the ability or the, the understanding of what your body does and how you draw a gun and how you manipulate a gun and safely shoot a gun then stand back up with a gun if you're in a position that's completely different than standing static. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great point there, um, and and I see this a lot, like with um, when I've done instruction or we go to the range, that people, you can tell they like they want to learn the sexy stuff, but they still seem kind of awkward with their gun, like they're still checking to see if the safety's off. You can see you see them looking a lot more with where it's it's not yet an extension of their body, and so I think this is uh, it's, I think it lays a great foundation, like what you're saying is that. Um, you do have to become very proficient. And then this is another level on top of it. And I think it's um, people shouldn't try and shortcut all the way, all the way over there, I think. But, um, but I, for those people that are ready to take that next step here, right? Let, let's look at some of these alternative positions that you train people for and go into some of the, maybe the, like the specific strategies that you found that work the best. So let's start with kneeling. So what engagement scenarios would most likely put you in a position where you're kneeling and what are the most important shooting factors that you found to work the best in proper like target engagement from a kneeling stance and i think it's important really to kind of go over like what like how you would maybe find yourself in this position because i always i always think that it's it's you like the first hurdle i think as an instructor is to get past people's idea of what a real gunfight is right like well why would i be kneeling that doesn't make any sense i'm going to be standing up so so let's talk about that. Like, what are some things that people should realize that no, you could be kneeling because of this, and then here are some of the best strategies for being able to do that effectively. So I think the, the why's behind it really 
our, our, our training market tends to address one of the whys, but I think there's really mainly two whys. Right. One of the reasons why you'd be kneeling would be because maybe you've drawn the gun, you've ducked behind cover, you're stabilizing behind something, and it's a low thing like the hood of a car. Um, it, 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 you're stabilizing off of a post, a tree, or something, and you're just making yourself a smaller target. And, and I think the training world does that pretty well. We put up all sorts of barriers that people got to get low behind, and that does simulate real life, right? You've knelt down because of it. I think the other way is because people have tripped and fallen down. They've unexpectedly gone to the ground, and they've had to be able to shoot accurately, or if they've never trained for it, they're trying to get back to stability, so they push themselves up either from the ground or laying seated on the ground that they've fallen back on, and they have to fight their way back up to a kneeling position. And you know instinctually the sooner you go bang with the gun, the more likely you are to survive that scenario. So you're shortcutting the process of going all the way back up by just coming to kneeling and shooting. So I think that's kind of the two main reasons why. And so therefore I think we need to start in our training we need to start having people not just go to kneeling and shooting, maybe using cover, or at least being a smaller target, and learning how to do that, but then also put yourself in a more compromised position, whether it's laying down on the ground, on your front, your back, your something, and then having to then work your way back to a stable kneeling platform so you can either A, deliver fire, fight better, duck behind something. So I think it's both you've gone down, you've got to work yourself back up, or you're purposely going down, say, to get behind cover. Now there's several different things about kneeling. A lot of people, maybe their bodies don't do this. Uh, maybe it's you're getting a little bit older. You're, you're a broken old soldier like maybe you or I are or something like that, right? Or, and so maybe the knees, the back doesn't work as well. Or, or maybe, you know, you're elderly or you got arthritis somewhere in the knees or you got, I've seen a lot of people that come in here and they've got mechanical knees or fixes in their backs where that's hard to do. So you've got to know what your body can do and then work yourself into this carefully and learn to shoot from kneeling positions. And really I'd tell you there's three different ways to, to learn to shoot, right? One is stabilize, putting one knee down versus the other up. So it's kind of a, a, a kneeling position with one leg down and learning to shoot that way, which really when you think about it is no different than standing. You're just stabilizing in a smaller posture, right? One foot on the ground, one knee on the ground and learning to shoot that way. And then I'd say reverse it, the other knee on the ground, the other leg back up, foot on the ground. So from both sides, then it's maybe you've gone to both knees to do it. If your body can do it, now you're down on both knees shooting. And then even learning if your body can do that, you're on your knees, but now you're set back a little bit more, so you're even more stable, or you're a slightly smaller target just because you've set back while you're sitting on your knees and kind of the top of the, uh, the, the shin bones as you're sitting back maybe on your feet, right? So there's kind of three and then kind of a variation of the third one, three different ways you should work on kneeling. Right, because that's a stable platform, it's a smaller platform, and allows us to control a gun well, but people need to know what their body can do. Because if you can't drop into that kneeling quickly, then that's also a consideration, right? But if you can drop into it quickly, or at least learn where your body is, and what's the one that works best for how your back is, your neck is, how your legs are, that's an important thing you need to know. Yeah, that seems like a real important thing all the way through the all these are alternative positions also is because it is going to be different for each person, right? And, and But if you never go through them, you're just in the position that you find yourself in when you get knocked on your ass or whatever. And so now's the time to really kind of see your way through that. Um, when, it, when it comes to the technique for shooting from a kneeling position, you say that it's basically the same as just a lower posture as if you were standing and you, you were squared off, like you have that support. Is it beneficial at all to use your 
your leg to brace your arm against or or like what would you suggest for for shooting as far as like do you use the your other leg that's that's up or or what do you do so okay so for accuracy especially at distance for stability of the gun um, I could see that as a benefit, but what you don't find, at least in the research I've done, because I got very curious about this after it happened to me, right? I've not yet found any recording whatsoever in the defensive gun uses here in the United States of America with a handgun where somebody braced up on their own leg or their own knee to shoot with it. I'm sure it's happened somewhere. I just haven't found research that shows that it happens. Also, too, to be able to get in that posture where you're bracing on a knee or the inside of the leg to be able to shoot takes a little bit more time than it is to drop and just run the gun, right? So therefore, I see that as a really good posture to deliver accurate shots. And I see really that the, the time frame to do that type of thing would be maybe, maybe you have gone to the sounds of the gun or you're there, just happen to be there in an active shooter. And you decide maybe active shooter, active shooters, you're gonna try to have to put them down and they're from a very far distance and you need to stabilize and really get that, that shot off maybe behind cover or you just know bracing off something is a lot better and the only thing you have to brace off is your own body. So I see that as a very small likelihood of ever having happened or being likely to happening again. But could it help? Yeah, but I think it's really best for, for really for high precision shots that you have the time to think through, set down, settle up for to be able to do. And in the defensive context of what happens here in the U.S., I just don't think that's going to be a, 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 a very common reality. Yeah, and I think that brings up a really good point also, because I think if you're training this and you're in that position, yeah, you'll find that you are more accurate in that position. And you might... You might train and you might practice that way. But again, the reason why we're doing this type of training is because we want to simulate as much as possible the reality of a gunfight. And so if your brain isn't, you know, you don't have that that split second uh, decision making process happening, like in the dynamics of a real fight, you got the adrenaline going and everything. You're not going to think to maybe brace yourself. So why practice it that way? Why not practice for reality? Right. So it, it, a, you bring up a, a really, really good, good point. point about when you talked about the reality of a gunfight, right? Defensively here in America, if we're going to use guns, though it's a reach out and touch them tool, right? You can use it for distance. The vast majority of the time, when you get attacked here in the U.S., it's going to be at much closer distances. And it's going to be very quick. It's going to be over in seconds, literally over in seconds from beginning to end where you realize I'm in the fight of my life till the time it's actually over and smoke is curling out of the gun. You, it's going to be so quick that you working your way down and settling up and stabilizing is probably a time waster. And it's how you get put in a body bag or go take a ride in the ambulance. So therefore, that reality of being able to do that is probably not likely. Now, is it worth practicing? For, for precision, yeah, because in the context of reality, could you use that? Possibly so, right? It's, it, you're likely to get struck by lightning is even higher than you getting in an active shooter situation where you might need this, but it's still there. So therefore, you know, why suck at anything in a sense? So why not do it? But reality-based, you're probably going to be dropping down or having got back up quickly, and you're going to be driving your gun out as quickly as you possibly can to make effective, ex acceptable shots on target. So therefore, I would spend more of the time of more or less braced shooting from a kneeling position than I would braced shooting from a kneeling position. Yeah, and just to bring in a couple of other thoughts that came to mind when it came when it comes to like why you might 
why this is like, and it's a, I think it's a good starting place for everybody also, is because it is close to your standing position as well. But also, if you if you ankle carry at all, a lot of times you are dropping yeah. down to one knee to to go ahead and draw that. And when I think about it, also like it's funny in in the military we we trained mostly like I remember just from basic training it was it was a lot of like you know you're up he sees you you're down but yes. we're always like in prone position but. When in actual combat, now, and I was in uh, urban areas for, for combat, and so we did a lot of like room clearing and things like that, where I feel like I was on my knees more than I was on <laughs> doing uh, definitely in prone positions. So, so, I mean, there's lots of different ways, I think, even if it's like a home defense, you, I mean, of course, you don't want to, you don't want to clear your room in a midnight thing, just call the police and, and have them come. But if you have to clear because you need to get to somebody else, that's one situation also that you might um deceptively you might if you know somebody's in a room you might be able to drop down and if they're used to seeing because we used to do in the, in the military I, and actually i use it now a lot in um in paintball you know talk about real life you know in, in paintball but i love doing that it's like well you know we'll pop out pop out like twice and then come down low for for a third shot because people are trying to peg you when you're up high well I think there is some, there are some benefits, and there are some real life applications to the tactics that are, that we've used in this thing. So, I can imagine it would be, um, it would work out well there also. But, so now you're just uh, being sneaky, anyway. Pete, and it's brilliant, right? Okay. In, in a gunfight, <laughs> right? I mean, think about human nature, right? The human eye goes to where the human eye is naturally drawn to. So let's say it's a downstairs, upstairs type of thing where somebody's come around the corner and they're looking up your stairs, but you're upstairs bunkering in place or barricading in place because you're protecting your family up there and you're letting them rummage through the bottom of the house, right? If they come around and peek up the stairs, if you're standing up naturally, their eyes are drawn to the height of a standard human being at the top of the stairs, where if you're dropped down into a kneeling position using the cover, maybe the corner, whatever it is to, to fire, the, the eyes go to that normal position of where the human would be. And that gives you, I don't know, a tenth of a second, maybe a half second or more of more time for you to ambush those that are trying to ambush you. And you're just kind of being using subterfuge or really human psychology to defeat them. So it's a brilliant tactic to use, especially if you're setting up for the, I'd say, an ambush position. Right when you set that up, because you know what human nature and the human eye is going to do. That's a, that's a great way to respond to it. So it's a good place to be able to learn. Hey, can I get into this kneeling position and stay there comfortably for a while? Because you might be there for a little while while you're holding a line in the sand, to use to use the, the phrase. While you're holding a line in the sand right there behind cover, and you might be a little bit before they might even come to the stairway, where you might have to deliver shots or at least yell, "Hey, get out of my house! I got a gun!" Whatever it is you do. So you might be there for a little bit, and I think people need to spend a little time on their knees with a gun and realize, can they do that? And not only that, if they get down in that kneeling position or seated position, if they have to move quickly, can they get up and ninja themselves away if they have to, right? That's just as much a skill as getting out of that quickly as it is going into it. And can you feel that, see that, do that, and then learn to do these things from these positions that you've just probably not spent a lot of time doing? Yeah. Yeah, Adam, one of the positions that I've seen you train students in is the seated, like the sit-up position on the ground. So what circumstances might somebody find themselves in this position that would be important for them to be able to to train these things? And what techniques have you seen work the best for engaging an attacker when you're seated on the ground? So the times I've seen where people have done this, and again, this happened to me, was I have fallen and gone down to the ground or have been fighting on the ground, and I've pushed myself up. 
needed to access the gun quickly. I just happened to be in a seated position. So that's where I see that, right? Understand a seated position shooting a gun is generally a compromised position unless you happen to already be in a chair. So if you're on the ground, you've already gone down for some way, shape, or form that's not good. So you've now worked yourself up back to that seated position to be able to shoot or to engage or to see even your target or to be able to access that gun. So I see that as one, it's a response to having gone down more than you sat down to shoot people or to shoot at something. That just doesn't generally happen. That would be a waste of time and effort. But if you've gone down already, now you got to learn to fight from that position. So I think part of it is learning how to push yourself up to a position and accessing the gun or accessing the gun and then safely controlling the gun, moving yourself up to a position. So I think that's a part of the skill of doing so. Then from there, learning to shoot from that seated position. And, and really, it could be anywhere you're at. It, it, maybe your legs are splayed off to the side or they're spread wide open or your feet are behind, one foot's kind of slide off to the side and one's kind of in front. There's a million different kind of butt on the ground type of positions you can learn to shoot from. The biggest thing is, one, if you're drawing the gun itself, is you got to learn how to get that out to where it doesn't cross yourself as you move to the trigger itself, and then you can most efficiently get it on the target. And then being able to, because holstering on the ground is usually not a good idea, right? We shouldn't be putting guns away when we're in compromised, compromised positions, is knowing how to then work ourselves up safely to a good, better position before we put a gun away or get ourselves up safely so we can work ourselves to some type of cover, concealment, or really just to go away because we don't know if Mr. Bad Guy or Bad Guy's other friends are going to come too. So that's a thing is how do I control this gun? How can I manipulate without sympathetically reflexing hitting the trigger? Uh, do I need to, based on my body, my back, my mechanics, maybe lay the gun down, work up to more of a standing position so I can then retrieve the gun? Or can I just spring up with a gun in my hand? Can I do it with two hands? Can I do it only with one hand? Will I work my way or pull my way up? So, right, there, there's multiple positions. I, when I teach people this, the seated shooting, we do it from a lot of positions. Uh, on the ground. I get them their body in as many different seated positions as their body can handle and they've got to learn to draw the gun, run the gun, move to different positions in seated, run the gun and, and then work their way back up. And again, just like kneeling, it's something you need to know what your body can do. Furthermore, you got to know can I accurately handle this gun or safely handle the gun but to accurately deliver shots. And you may find that your body only can handle two or three different positions that are natural for you. So therefore, find the most advantageous positions for you or the most likely positions your body will fall into or move into and learn to be able to make accurate shots effectively and quickly because there is a timer in a gunfight. We don't know what it is, right? Bad guy gets to choose that. So therefore, can you deliver effective rounds while be safe with the gun and everything else? There's a lot to it. It's actually a little bit complex and it's a good thing to practice. Yeah, and it seems like, and and again, this isn't necessarily, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily like the tactics of here's how you shoot with two hands from a seated position. Because if you if you have strong core muscles, like if you can hold yourself up in a seated position or leaning back, almost like you know a, a sit-up position, then maybe you can do it with two hands, and maybe you can do it well with two hands, but... If you don't have strong core muscles, if you have a bad back or whatever it is for the individual person, you might find that you're actually more accurate 
by putting one arm down yes. on the ground, putting your, your feet Brace. off to the side of you, and shooting one hand, even though it's less support on the handgun, you might find that your body shoots better in like a side sitting position or something, but you can quickly do that and engage a target. But again, unless you practice it, you don't really know what you can do, right? You're absolutely correct. And that goes back to the fundamentals of shooting, right? That should be something that if you do dry fire or you spend time on the range, that you learn how to manipulate, handle, and safely shoot a gun, but also accurately and as quickly as humanly possible for you, accurately shoot the gun one-handed. I would tell you, you need to do it with your dominant hand, I would work some with the non-dominant, but we don't tend to see, in fact, I know of no gunfights in America so far where people use their non-dominant hand. It could happen, right? But let's say at least work, spend time working dominant hand shooting with this for accuracy and then for speed. Then once you can do that, learn, I would tell you with a dry gun, learn how to get up and down from these different positions while one-handedly bracing maybe off something or on the ground while you shoot the gun, dry fire, so you know how to do that safely, working your way back up. Then, once you can do that and you know you can do it safely, now take it to a live range and spend time doing the same thing, confirming, yes, I can shoot one-handed accurately. Then work your way into these compromised positions, maybe one-handed shooting braced off something else, because that may be a part of it. And, I mean, your hands could be in rock, in crushed glass, in something slick down here. You're having to brace your body while you're also running the gun accurately. And you're liable for every round you shoot, right? For every round you shoot, somebody is going to come after you for it, whether it's on the civil side, the criminal side. Um, for cops, even their administration might, or, law, or military, their administration might be coming after them. So it's an important thing that you be able to do, even if your hands aren't in a perfect setup position. Can you do that and still run the gun safely and accurately with with your dominant hand? Yeah, yeah. So I think probably one of the positions that's the least. <laughs> Uh, used, I think, when people practice when it comes to combat shooting is when you're flat on your back, yeah. like in the supine position. So why is supine shooting critical to train for? And again, like what are some of the best tips that you found to help engage a threat effectively um, from that position? So the important reason why you should be able to do this is because if I'm Mr. Dirtbag, I'm the bad guy who's here to steal you, rape you, kill you, do bad things to you. If I'm not trying to take your stuff, I'm trying to touch you in some way that's not good, whether it's with a knife, a gun, uh, I'm trying to beat you with my fist, a rock, a baseball bat, and I'm usually trying to get you down. Further and further down I can put you, the more I can victimize you, right? So therefore, your likelihood of having to quickly draw and fight, because maybe you've gone down to the ground and you've tripped, and you don't have time to work your way up to sitting, to kneeling, to standing, you just got to run the gun. Therefore, it's probably, again, a painful moment, a shocking moment, and, and it probably happens so quick, your brain's still going, what just happened to me, that you've got to then recognize your threat, and then from there, quickly draw that gun to be able to engage it. So again, it might be in different positions, but usually it's because you got ambushed, you got surprised, you got knocked down, and it's really usually under pain, shock, and surprise, the air's been knocked out of you, your hips hurt, your back hurts, your head's still stunned and ringing because you hit your head going down, you might still need to fight. So if you can work yourself back, as you said, to a supine position to where you're on your back, great. But usually when we fall, we fall in all sorts of different directions. We don't always just fall back. So whatever position you put yourself on, if you can get yourself to your back position, which is the most stable if you're going to shoot from on the ground, 
then learning to be able to draw that gun without pointing at yourself, not touching the trigger too soon to where it might even as it cross you or go off somewhere else where you don't want the bullet to go, then be able to drive it out at an acceptable target and be able to make accurate shots from the, the ground is an important thing. And, and you've got to be considerate of, as you said, the tactics or how to do so. You've got to be considerate. When that gun comes out, no matter where you put it, it's on the strong side, it's in an appendix, it's in your purse, it's on your ankle or wherever you put a gun, that it doesn't, say, cross your knees that might be up in a fetal position that's defending yourself, right? Because we instinctually pull in the knees to, to help protect the chest, the, the, low, the abs, our groin area. We tend to put our knees together, our feet together to try to protect us. And since we oftentimes go to the fetal position and bring in the bones of the shin to protect the more vital organs, right, from the groin up. So if that gun's coming out on your body, it, you got to be careful that it's not crossing your knees, especially if you don't know when to touch a trigger correctly, right, or when to touch a trigger. And, and or you got to learn how to work around the legs or maybe you've fallen splayed out or one knees up or both knees are up or both legs are splayed is being able to then from whatever position you end up in make very quick but also very accurate shots because the less accurate you are the more likely you are to become the victim of crime as they ultimately want your bad guy does or maybe to end up in a body bag so therefore speed and accuracy the fundamental shooting is a thing but being able to do so safely around you in those positions while being as stable as possible is also something that has to be considered. So this is something, too, I'd recommend. Do it with a dry gun. Work at it slowly, carefully, and thoughtfully. Always be thoughtful about this to where you're building, and you referenced this earlier, where you're really building unconscious competence with this. You can do this without thought while being safe and then also accurate. Once you've done that, say, in a dry fire situation or under the eyes of a good critical instructor or somebody who can watch you and help you through this, because you may do things you don't even realize while you're working through everything else, right? All the standing up and moving and manipulation. Once you've done that, now take it to a live range, if you can find a range that allows you to do this, and start working at it carefully and slowly and thoughtfully. So you myelinate it with live fire, ultimately to where it becomes something you can do unconsciously while safely and accurately. Yeah, and you brought up a point also, and I know you, you've stressed this in the video that I saw as well, be about the safe transition from position to position, because you're not going to stay on your back. You're eventually going to get up. But as you pointed out, you're responsible for every single one of those rounds. And so having the safety of keeping your finger off the trigger as you're transitioning from position to position because, um, because you might have that reflexive like grip, right? Or if you're down on the ground and you're, you're pushing off and you've got the, the gun in your hand, but you're pushing off on the gun, you might just, in, just might take your hand and like make a fist almost, right? And if your finger's inside the trigger guard, you can make that thing go off and there's no telling where it's going at that point. So, um, so you bring in all these different elements of knowledge of the gun, knowledge of your, the, the path of the bullet, um, where the rounds are going to go. There's, there's a lot to, I think there's a lot here than just, okay, I'm in a seated position and then that is how tight my shot group is. Like, I like how that there are so many different, um, factors of a gunfight that come into this, like just practicing all of these things. So what I want to do is I want to like, you, you came up with a really great drill and I was wondering if you would, if you would go ahead and run everybody through this. I mean, I think, a lot of gun range owners aren't going to – they're not going to want people to be out there <laughs> no. going and seated, laying down and things like that. They're going to have a heart attack. But um, So what are the best ways for our listeners 
kind of integrate um, these techniques into their training program so that they can master these techniques? Well, um, I would tell you, work dry fire on this with a completely clear gun, safely you know it. I mean, you can do that sitting at home, right? You can do that easily at home as long as you're careful with it all, right, with a dry gun. Because, like you said, the vast majority of range aren't gonna, ranges aren't going to let you do that. What I did at multiple different ranges, I went up to them and said, hey, you know me, you know my training, you know what I do. Here's where I'm going to be doing. The students, will you let me? I would tell you, go to your ranges that say, hey, we can't draw at this range, or we can't this, or we can't that. And if you can give them, if they have some idea who you are, what your training is, they feel you're a safe person, maybe, just maybe, you can ask them, hey, for this training session, will you allow us to set some of your rules aside and let's see can we do this safely shucks bring somebody in they can watch us if you want but maybe at least ask for permission what are they going to do all they're going to do is say no and if they say no great but maybe just maybe you'll get your range to be able to say yeah that's a good idea let's give it a try we know you we trust you okay let's at least give it a try so that's at least a way you could do it maybe on live fire if not maybe go out in the right where i live we have the mountains we have the desert wherever it is you go blm land if you have that if you're out towards the west go to some place that's open where you can do that um uh next as you kind of said well what, tell me about this drill okay so here's here's what i came up with now really this isn't to try to get the toppest time in the world the greatest score in the world. This is really what I'd call a skills assessment or really a body awareness drill while shooting. So you can learn from my people, myself, whoever can learn, where are we at right now today? So what it starts out with is I put them on a shot clock and I don't give a par time, I just, I just want them to feel it. But I give them a shot clock and because most of my people are coming from concealment or something, they're drawing the gun, whether it's concealment or not, and they stand, I put this at seven yards. When they're really good at it, I put them out to 10. And I, you have them use a target that's a B8 target. So for those of your audience, if you don't know what a B8 target is, it's a, con, it's a circle and it's got conical rings that come in. So you got an eight inch circle, a nine, a 10, an X ring. And really anything inside the eight ring is worth eight points. Nine ring is nine points, 10 or the X ring is 10 points. Anything outside the eight ring is zero points. So what I'm trying to emphasize here is also accuracy, really acceptable accuracy, but accuracy, because that's important in litigious America. All right, so now that you've got that, that target, we put them out at seven yards or preferably 10 yards, and on the timer of go, which is your go signal, you draw the gun and you fire two rounds, right? And if you put them in the 10 ring, you put them in the 10 ring. If you put them in the eight ring, it's the eight ring. But understand, you're doing what is common, which is standing, static, and shooting. It's good. But then you've got to work yourself down to a kneeling position while safely controlling the gun. That means you've got to be thoughtful of your trigger, of your muzzle, of your sights, of everything that's going on. It doesn't go to places it shouldn't. And then once you're back in whatever, you're down in whatever kneeling position, you fire two more, two more shots. Then safely work yourself down to seated of some position, which is your choice. Go wherever you want into a seated position. You fire two more shots. Then you work yourself down to the back, down onto your back while again safely controlling and handling the handgun, and you fire two more shots from on your back. Then you've got to work yourself all the way back up to standing, however you do, safely controlling the gun, and you fire two more shots. So if you followed all that, that's two shots from standing, two shots from kneeling, two shots from seated, two shots from on the back, then back up to two shots standing, it's ten total rounds which on a B8, if you give the score systems a 10 per shot that you could possibly get, you have a maximum of 100, 100 points, because every shot's worth 10 if you get it in the 10 ring. 
And then you score it up and you also look at the time on the timer. And just find out where you're at, right? I tend to run this, I don't know, about 10, 11 seconds, maybe nine seconds on a good day, 12 seconds on a, on a bad day, whatever it may be, because that's where my body is. But if my name is Jeff Anderson and I'm a ninja, maybe I can do it in seven seconds with completely you know, 80 points to 100 points. But maybe I'm a 65-year-old guy or a 75-year-old lady and my body doesn't work as well. At least gives me an idea that if I have to shoot in those positions, if I can, how long will that take me? I had a lady recently do this and it's on one of our, our YouTube videos we recently released on our channel. And she's a gun girl, right? She shoots. And she's in her, I think, mid to late 60s. And she worked herself all the way through this drill. And it took her about 30 seconds to complete all this. She did pretty good in the shooting. But it gives you both a score of your accuracy it also, the time components gives you a time factor so you can know where you're at. And then I think over time as you work through this, you start finding where does your body flow up and down? How can you do it more efficiently? And it's just a great way to train yourself as long as you do it safely with a gun. Yeah, the other thing that works really well with like our model is we have this thing, we I call it uh, neural tactical program. Yes. And there are four components of it that that help. It's basically using your brain the way that it, it it absorbs information, like the science of it, and using those those components to be able to assimilate those skills, like really take in those skills and almost like program them. Right. And so the four factors are realistic. We call it remping our training. So um, making it as realistic as possible, and this checks the box. Um, efficient because this drill is is taking you through all these different positions at the same time, which you may go through all of those in in a, like a in a real gun fight so again we're back to realism but it's also very efficient and then um m is multi-sensory and so with each one of those positions your body has a different sensation and your brain uses those different things to to absorb more information like it it, it kind of tweaks it to be able to bring that in and then the f stands for fun for me these kinds of drills are always a lot more fun than just going down there to see how tight you can get your shot group so uh so i love this drill and we'll go ahead and put a, a link on our where we post this also on our site over to that video because i thought that video just it, it laid it out perfectly and i think it's a really great opportunity for people to see in real time in real and in, in like exactly how to do it you don't get a lot of that out there we get a lot of people walking us through drills but this is a great, uh, great opportunity to be able to see that as well. So um, I'll, we'll go ahead and put that up in the uh, in the resources for this as well. So if I can address two things that came to mind as yeah. you're speaking, I thought that was interesting. You you said the M for you is multi-sensory. Uh, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. It brought to my mind about one time I'm lay I'm on the ground I'm seated, but there's a gravel, hard, sharp piece of gravel that's under my left butt cheek. It's pressing up into my and it hurt. But I had to shoot. I had no choice. I had to shoot. And I remember sitting there thinking about that, thinking, man, that hurts so bad, yet I still had to complete the fundamentals. So so, so therefore, I think you're, you're right. You've got to be able to under, feel all those things or at least be able to compartmentalize those things while you still accomplish your task. Because in these different positions you put yourself in, there's a lot of different senses going on that doesn't happen when you're standing stable and static on your feet. I thought that was interesting. The other thing, you brought up the drill that's on our website. Um, I sent you a link, I think it was the other day, to one that I, sh I did uh, probably about a year ago. It's on our YouTube channel. And it shows the same drill that we did, in a sense, but but it's a lot more dynamic. So mm -hmm. you might want to take a look at that and see that, because that shows 
Hey, it's really what I call flow drill, where you're flowing up and down in different positions. you got to shoot on command with acceptable accuracy and as quickly as possible. And uh, I think those two things would be good for the audience to see because they can see not only this drill, but also, hey, the body goes in all these different positions. Literally, face down, on your back, side to side, all over the place, you still have to learn to manipulate a gun. Because when Mr. Bad Guy knocks you down, or surprise or pain knocks you down onto your can, you might end up in some really weird positions, and it might not be the perfect position. You still got to be able to access the gun and shoot it. And uh, so uh, that might be something neat for them to see. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go ahead and add another uh, link there for that one also. They can compare those two. That's awesome. Uh, Adam, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on, and I would love to get you back on the show. I'm sure, like, look, everybody, check out their website at defenders-usa.com. Like, Adam has all kinds of training at his place, and they they do it around the country as well, but you might be able to travel out there. But they do long-range shooting. They do advanced gun uh, gun skills. They do uh, speed shooting. There's just, there's a lot that you can really take from here. But again, what I really like the most about it is that it's, it's all so street focused that it's really designed for the reality of what you're going to have to deal with if you are ever attacked. So go check out their website again at defenders-usa.com. And until our next show, this is Jeff Anderson saying live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.